0: I don't know about you, but I'm ready for this whole scenario to be different. All the things that we've taken for granted um, are, are just kind of right in front of us right now and looking at uh, church and worship and, and, and what we're able to do. And I'm grateful, I'm so glad that we live in an age where we have technology um, that can are you showing me something? Oh, okay. I thought you were showing me something. Um, uh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so glad we live in an. age. I'm too ADD. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I'm so glad we live in an age with the technology where where you can be home right now and worshiping with us. Where we, this past week, had children's ministry meetings. We had uh, adult ministry. Um, uh, and, and we're going to be looking at ways that we can, in the, over the next couple of weeks, put some Sunday school things together and work with Sunday school teachers to, to do some some Zoom and online Sunday school classes. And, and the reason for all this is, is because we all can't be together. I mean, I've got, you, you saw we had 10 people up here for our, our, our praise team and we've got them spaced out. I, I literally, I got in here Thursday with the tape measure and I put X's on the floor uh, six foot apart so that way actually most of them are about seven feet so that way you got the the width of body factor and somebody might move or step to the side and so that way no matter who moved where their chairs and, and and all of this is just weird but I'm grateful that we live in a day when we can do this. But I'll be honest with you. I'm ready to see your faces in here. I'm ready for you to be right here with us. And, and, and realistically, this is a refining moment for the church. And let me tell you why before we get If Go ahead and start turning to Revelation 6. That's where we're going to be today. But this is why it's a refining moment for the church. Because we will be able to see how valuable our community, our family of faith is to us when all of this goes away and we can gather. Now, I'm no fool. I do not expect, I've seen the videos, I've been tagged in some of them of Chris Farley and a couple others uh, going nuts coming down the aisle. The the caption on it is, Pastor, first Sunday back after quarantine or isolation. I don't expect that to be the case. Realistically, um, whenever it is that they say, hey, you can go ahead and join back together, I honestly do not expect, God could surprise all of us, but I don't expect that the sanctuary is going to be filled that day. I, I expect it to be a very, very slim crowd because who is really going to rush to a gathering right after a worldwide pandemic, right? I mean, that's, that's just the, the, the nature of, uh, of, I see a couple of hands in the balcony from our praise team, um, but that, that's just the nature of, of who we are as people. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to start investigating some apocalypse elliptic Images and 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 I'm setting all this up intentionally because we're experiencing something right now as a nation and as a world that that is different than what any of us have ever experienced. You'd have to go back 500 years to some of the plagues to see something of this magnitude. Yeah, we had SARS, we had MERS, we had bird flu, we had H1N1, we had Y2K, we had all these things. But what we're seeing right now is a little bit different scale. And 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 I'm not up here to speculate. I know I see the conspiracy theories. I see all this dismissive. Here's what we're going to do. We're we're just going to approach this as though we see it in the world right now. And have an understanding that where we are as a people actually speaks to this. Because we've got to start shifting our heart and focus now. Because what's coming is actually worse. So I don't want to scare you. But I wanted to let you see what's going on. So if you've got your place, Revelation chapter 6. Let's read together. Stand up at home if you're able to. I know you've just gotten comfy on the couch. You've just got the blanket pulled up in your outline. But stand up as we read the word of God together. The first eight verses of Revelation chapter 6. It says this. Then I saw... When the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures coming as with a voice of thunder, and it said, come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown and was given to him, excuse me, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come, and another a red horse went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth that men would slay one another and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come. And behold, I looked and a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and I heard something like, the, like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil and the wine. The lamb broke the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come. I looked and behold an ashen horse and he who sat on it had the name of death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over one-fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence, and by the wild beast of the earth. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we look to you We ask you, Lord, that in this time that we have together, that we would not fret, that we would not worry, that we would not drown ourselves in fear, but Lord, that we would understand and know that you are holding all things in your hand. You have given us these words of scripture so that we can be uh, mindful of your glory, your power, your sovereignty, but also of our need for a savior. And I know it's easy in in, in church setting, and, and, and it's funny to say church setting when there are only a couple of us here in the setting of the building of the church, but in church setting, what's going on in our hearts, it's easy for us to say, I was baptized. Well, I know Jesus. I went to Sunday school. But God, you're not asking if we were baptized. You're not asking if we went to Sunday school. You're asking is our hope and our faith and our trust solely and truly on you. So, Father, I ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts wherever we are. Uh, wherever we are in, in, in Fairburn, in South Fulton, in the Atlanta area, whether we are across the southeast, around the world, Lord, as people uh, right now are, are able to see what you are doing in our church. But Lord, we've got churches all over that are doing the same thing we're doing. And we ask you, Lord, that wherever in the world your word is being proclaimed, that it would not return null and void just as you promised, but that you would speak to hearts and instruct us, not with the mind of man but with the passion and compassion of the Lord, our God. It's your word, not mine. It's yours. We love you, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. You may be, you may be seated. If you don't sit down at home, I'm not going to know. So it's okay. So we get into this passage of scripture and we start looking at apocalyptic literature. Now, If you weren't with us on the first, as we got started in the book of Revelation, let me encourage you to go to our website, fbcfairburn.com, click on media, go to sermons, and scroll back to the beginning of January as we start looking in the book of Revelation. I lay out just kind of my framework, I lay out my my conviction on a few issues with the book of Revelation, but I'm going to shortly, and in in short form, uh, restate a couple of things. One, no one knows all the answers to Revelation. And if you're watching a preacher, if you're tuning into somebody who claims to have everything figured out, they are a liar and you need to turn it off. I'm just going to let you know that. Nobody knows. God did not give us the uh, exact codex for what to ha- what's, what's coming. Here, here's what God did do. He gave us pictures. He gave us an understanding. He gave us his word so that our hearts could be prepared, but ultimately so that we could still trust in him so that we would know we have to rely on who he is. The second thing about the book of Revelation that you and I have to, as followers of Christ, have to understand is that we are called to be marked by peace and understanding, love and charity. And because we cannot know every single detail and every single uh, explanation, And everything about the book of Revelation, we have to, listen to me, we have to, with a charitable heart, I said and, with a charitable heart, we have to embrace one another even if they look at the book of Revelation slightly differently. If they proclaim that it's the word of God, if they proclaim that they truly believe that it is the word of God, then we have to understand them with love. We cannot outright dismiss with anger. That's what the world does. We're not called to live the way of the world. But because of these two things, we're going to get into the book of Revelation. I'm going to tell you what I believe about some of these horses. But we've got to understand that these apocalyptic figures are presented in two forms. One to serve as a warning for what is to come, but also to remind us of who is in charge of all of it. And that's what we find right out of the gate. So what we're going to do is we're going to identify the four horsemen. um, And I'm not talking about Ric Flair and uh, all the wrestlers. You know, I'm not talking about those four horsemen. I'm looking at the four horsemen that are right here, uh, within, and I'm thinking about Arn Anderson now. I don't, sorry, my mind just went crazy. So all you old school WCW, uh, folks will know who I'm talking about. But, um, we're going to look and identify who these four horsemen are. And then we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions, um, in, in our heart and see what we do to heed the message of the four horsemen. So we get in this passage of scripture and it says right there in verse one, I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, come now what we're doing here is we're identifying each individual it starts off with the lamb if you remember um is that better can you hear me better now Okay. Sorry, I'm too ADD. I, I, see, I see hand motions in the back. And so, you know, I, I see that. Hey, we haven't got the invitation yet. Um, so what we, what we have in this passage of scripture is some identity taking place. So what we found in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 was this, this wonderful scene of worship taking place in heaven. All of the glory of God being, uh, being uh, on display. And God holds out this scroll and no one was able to open the scroll. And, and John is so caught up in the vision. That's what we talked about last week in chapter 5. He's so caught up in what's being revealed to him that he starts to weep. But one of the elders, one of the 24 elders says, don't, don't cry. Look, there is the Lamb of God. It, he is going to open the scroll. And all of heaven erupts because the lamb was worthy. The lamb, Christ Jesus, laid his life down, purchased us as a people for God, and he marches to the throne of God and takes the scroll. And now we're starting to see seal by seal what happens when the scroll is unwound. But notice with me that in all four of the scrolls, in the passage that we just read, it happens in verse 1, verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7. The four living creatures who for all of eternity past have done nothing but fly around the throne of God and proclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy holy is the Lord God Almighty, now take part in the unrolling of the scroll. They cease their song of holiness. And now when the seal is broken, it says there in verse one, it says, I heard the voice of one of the four living creatures saying with a voice of thunder, come. Now, the four living creatures are part of what's unfolding. And it starts and he says in verse two, I looked and behold a white horse. The forced. First, the, first, the first horse that you and I identify is the white horse. Now you look at the description there, and it says that he who sat on this white horse had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out to conquer. That sounds like a decent figure, right? We've got this symbol of royalty. We've got this crown on the head. We've got the, the sword and we've got the bow and we've got this ability to conquer. It sounds a whole lot like Christ Jesus, right? But I'm going to tell you this morning that I believe that this passage is presenting that this is the unveiling of the Antichrist. The rider on this white horse is an imposter. And you say, Evan, now how, how can that be? He's on a white horse. He's going to conquer. Isn't that what Jesus has, has come to do? He's got a crown. We seeing crown him with many crowns, right? Yeah. It's amazing how false gods appear so viable. It's amazing how easily deceived we can be. See, over in the book of Revelation chapter 19, we find these words about when Christ comes. It says here, I saw, verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. Here's another white horse. But it says, he who sat on it is called faithful and true. There's no name given to this first white horse rider, but in Revelation chapter 19, when Christ Jesus appears to come and claim for all time the eternal victory, it says he is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, many crowns, not just one, many crowns. The second reason I want you to understand that this right here is not the actual Christ but the Antichrist is I want you to see in whose hand it rests. It says there that the lamb who is Christ unrolls the scroll and this figure appears. It is stated blatantly in this text of scripture that Christ Jesus is not the writer. He is the openinger of the scroll who sends out this writer, who sends this time. And it says that he is going out to conquer and going out conquering. And you say, why would Jesus do that? That's a very good question. I want you to flip with me over to the book of Matthew chapter 24. And I want you to hold your finger in Matthew chapter 24 because we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew 24 this morning as well. Because I believe what we see uh, unfold with these first four uh, seals on the scroll, Jesus speaks to in Matthew chapter 24. It says there in verse 1, Jesus came from the temple and was going away when his disciples came to him to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. Now, that was a very bold statement that Jesus made because the Jews were proud of their temple. Sounds a whole lot like Baptists. We get really, really proud of our buildings and our sanctuaries and our pulpits and our platforms. We might have just been ethnic Jews separate a little while. That's that's another sermon for another day. But he says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when these things will happen. What will be the sign of your coming, coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. That's a compassionate statement. That's a statement of compassion from a shepherd who loves his sheep. A shepherd who knows. A shepherd who is aware that wolves will come and try to distract and to destroy his flock. And verse 5 he says, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not the end. The nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. And they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you because, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many and because of lawlessness being increased most people's love will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. He's like, Evan, what does this have to do with this first seal and the Antichrist? I want you to notice the very first thing that Jesus says will take place. One of the very first signs, one of the very first birth pangs, if you will, is that there will be a rider on a white horse that comes to dissuade, to distract, to mislead. It says in in Revelation chapter 5 that this white horse goes out and he goes out to conquer. He's not going out to claim for himself a mighty nation. He's going out to impose his the Christ to take people and attempt to take people away from the living God. We're going to come back to that one. Verse three it says, and he broke the second seal and I heard the second living creature saying, come. And so now we have the four living creatures. The first one says, come and here comes the white horse. The, The second one sees the seal broken. He calls out, come. And it says another, a red horse went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth that men would slay one another and a great sword was given to him. We have the red horse come and it produces war. We, we have this, this great war that breaks out. Now, this is not the war of all wars that ends wars. And believe me, we've had a lot of wars, right? Uh, some of you were alive during World War II. Many of you during the Korean War, a lot of you during the Vietnam War, the Persian Gulf War, the war on terror. We've, we've seen war after war after war. How many times have you just turned on the news and find out that there's fighting breaking out? And, and all of these things, Jesus is describing in, Re- in Revelation, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 24 that this is going to happen. But not to the degree and to the scale that takes place when this seal is broken. See, we live in a wicked and selfish world. And what we find is that when Jesus comes on the scene to start ushering in these sealed judgments of God, that the war that breaks forth then is a war unlike what you and I have actually seen. Unlike what you and I have actually witnessed or read about in history. Yeah, there are wars, there are rumors of wars and all of these take place. But I want you to notice what happens. And and, and there's a sequence to this. It says that to this rider, it was granted to take peace from the earth. I'm I'm not talking about, okay, we've got peace times here, but over there, there's a little bit of fighting. Notice that there is the absolute removal of peace from the earth. This is another reason why I believe that the rider on the white horse is the Antichrist. Because once he is unleashed, peace is truly removed. Why? Because the true Christ is the Prince of Peace. As long as the true Christ is present, as long as the power of the Holy Spirit is evident because of the life of believers, because of who we are in this world to be salt and light, there is peace. There is security. There is hope. But once the unveiling of the one who is against Christ is made, the second horse goes forth and removes all peace. Some of you struggle to sleep right now. You've got fear, you've got worry, you've got some anxiety. It's an unsettling time in our planet. It's an unsettling place to to live right now. And we believe there's an end coming and hopefully, um, hopefully sooner than later. And we pray that God would deliver sooner than later from what's going on with uh, coronavirus. But some are having trouble sleeping because there's no peace in their heart because of what's going on. This is going to blow that away. No peace in the earth. That ushers in the third horse. It says there in verse five, he broke the third seal and I heard the third living creature saying, and I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Now we have a horse, a rider coming in that brings in famine to the earth. It says in there, it says, and I heard something like the voice at the center of the, uh, center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil or the wine. What was it that Jesus said over Matthew chapter 24 in verse 7? He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom in various places. There will be famines and earthquakes. That's kind of natural when there's no peace, right? To have a little bit of a famine. It's actually common in war-torn countries to experience a period of famine. Marauding armies coming through and taking the spoils of the land. The battle raging and and the fighting breaking out and things getting scorched and parched on the earth. And and food supplies are, 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 what's the right word? Drying up. And we get into this and it's right after the peace is removed from the earth and right after you see wars breaking out unlike unlike any other time that there starts to be this famine because it's a decimated planet. So much so, notice what he says there. He says, a quart of wheat for a denarius. See, in the New Testament, a denarius was a day's wage, which you'd make for the entire day. You're going to make enough to buy a quart of wheat. You want to know how much a quart of wheat is? I'm going to give you the scientific way that first century uh, ancient Near East people would measure out a quart of wheat. They'd reach down into their little bucket and what fit in the cupping of both hands. That much wheat right there. You work hard all day, no matter what your job is. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a fence post digger it doesn't matter that's all you get but but if you wanted to to stretch your food supply a little bit more because maybe you've got mouths to feed at home maybe you've got kids and you want to do a little bit more then you could you could downgrade your food to barley and so you could get three of these for a day's wage See, barley was a more coarse grain; it wasn't refined as well, so it was kind of the cheaper. It's kind of the difference between going and buying a loaf of Sara Lee bread and buying a loaf of uh, Great Value bread at Walmart. Is the difference between getting that nice artisan bread that comes out and is so sliced and just smells so fresh, and something that's a little bit more stale and it's like it's good enough to make a peanut butter sandwich on? For a whole day's work, that's all you get. Because of the famine. Because everything is internal. You think the shelves are empty now? You're worried about toilet paper right now. What's coming will have you worried about will there be enough bread? Not not, not enough. Forget the meat section that gets picked over, forget your kid's favorite cereal. We're talking bread, basic bread. But notice that he also says there, do not damage the oil and the wine. This is probably one of the more troubling phrases in the sealed judgments for me. Let me tell you why. The oil and the wine would have been associated with the wealthy, would have been associated with those that already had the means. So what's going to happen is that those that are the poorest among us will be the most drastically affected by this famine. They will be the ones that will be starving to death. And we're going to see that come up here in just a second with the fourth horse. They're the ones that are going to be hurting. And when God's people aren't present, who's going to take care of the widow? Who's going to take care of the orphan? Who's going to take care of the least of these? coming. The fourth horse, it says there in verse seven, he says, the lamb broke the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth horse living creature saying, come. And I looked, behold, an ashen horse and he who sat upon it had the name of death. Notice with me that this is the only rider who was named. We don't have another horse rider named until Christ Jesus comes in Revelation 19, but this one is named death. And it says there that Hades followed with him. Authority was given to death, the pale horse, over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, pestilence, and the wild beasts of the earth. That pale horse. Your, your, your translation may say ashen, or it may, may read uh, sickly Pale. The, the word there gives the picture of, it's almost like watching a cartoon when someone gets seasick and they turn that pale green color in the, in the, in the cartoon before they get sick and vomit everywhere. That, that's what this horse is described as. But I want you to notice how bad it is. One-fourth of the earth's population will be wiped out at this point. One-fourth. So let's just do just a little bit of quick math. And and I'm doing my math based on my my belief that there is a pre-tribulation rapture. So let's just say there are 7.5 billion people on the planet. That's just an estimate. The census won't be done until later. Say 7.5 billion people on the planet. And many world world religion... Organizations will estimate that about 2.5 billion people on the planet identify as Christians. So let's just, just for the sake of argument, say that's true that 2.5 billion people on the planet are truly Christians, born again believers, have faith in Christ Jesus, and we're gone. That leaves 5 billion people on the planet. One fourth of them are going to be wiped out because of this death horse. Some of them by the wars, some of them by the famine. But notice it says about wild beasts and disease, pestilence. 1.25 billion people wiped out. But see, here's the issue that I want to bring up. Not the 1.25 billion people that will be wiped out then, but the 5 billion people that will be here without knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there will not be the presence of peace because of God's church in their life to say, this is what's going on. You need the Lord Jesus. This is a huge deal. This is why we do. This is why we're coming to you and broadcasting. This is why we're making sure that we're getting the message out. Because there is something real that is coming worse than anything you have ever seen. And you need to know who Christ Jesus is. So let's heed the message together. Let's look at this passage together and heed the message of the horseman. And I've got four things I want to share with you out of this real quick um, as we walk through The first is this Imposters will attempt to destroy the glory of Christ. Imposters will make every effort they possibly can to destroy the glory of Christ. Notice it says there that this first white horse was given a crown and was given a bow and went out conquering and to conquer. This is one that was going to go out and do everything it could to mimic. See, I want you to think with me through this just a second because it's going to play out the rest of the book of Revelation. What we believe and what we understand the Bible teaches about the antichrist is that he will come in and he will offer peace in a peaceless world he will offer justice in a world that knows no justice he will offer something that he cannot truly deliver nor does he have the intention of delivering and while that day is coming and while that unveiling is going to happen I want you to know that according to the word of God it's already happening not that the antichrist has been revealed don't hear me say that but there are imposters that are already, right now, seeking to destroy the image of Christ, the glory of Christ. It's a non-sequitur argument because you can't take the glory of Christ away. You can try. And, and, and there have been many attempts, whether through silencing of Christians, whether of oppression of Christians, or by trying to substitute something to offer you joy, peace, happiness, security, I mean, how many of you are really upset that there might not be a college football season this year? I'm going to tell you, that one hit me pretty tough. I was watching the, watching the news, I saw that headline, I was like, ooh, that hurts. College football is an imposter. Banks, they're imposters. Finances are an imposter. They, 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 they offer you comfort. They offer you security. They offer you peace. And then something like a worldwide pandemic hits, and you watch how little the money actually means. Food. We talk about comfort food. We talk about there are so many idols that are being stripped away from us right now. And I believe, church, I believe that God is calling you and me to be refined. That he is refining us right now for this moment to say, you know what? I've put all these things out there and they cannot compare. They cannot satisfy. They cannot fulfill. Only he can. so I've got to come back here where his glory is. Because these imposters are trying. And they're going to try. And they're going to continue trying. Church, let me, let, me, let me make sure I put this out there. We dare not allow what's happening in our nation and in our country be another September 11th moment. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. When September 11th, 2001 hit, Our country was in upheaval. It was in turmoil. It was in chaos. It was what in the world's going on. And for three, four, maybe even five months after that, churches that had been empty were being filled. People were looking for answers. And they were they were coming to church. I, I remember reading a story out of Tenth uh, Presbyterian in New York, a, a sanctuary that seats nine hundred and fifty that had been only running about hundred for the previous fifteen years. All of a sudden, was at capacity and having to look at adding services because people were flooding. But within six months, they were back to that same hundred. I don't want church to be the imposter of the glory of Christ. I I want you to hear the gospel so that when we're able to gather together, we're coming in to worship the glory of Christ and to make him known where we are in Fairburn and where we are in South Fulton and where we are in Fayette and Coweta and Douglas counties and where people are coming from. And as we put the message forward on Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo and fbcfairburn.com and maybe we have a myspace page out there I don't know it could be there but wherever we're putting this I don't want it to be about okay I got my little church fix I'm okay it's not about the church fix it's about the glory of Christ and church can be the imposter and if we're not careful we can allow it to pull the glory of Christ out of the picture because we make it about the events this can't be another 9-11 moment So where you're sitting now, you can make the resolution in your heart before before God that this will be a time that you seek to make disciples and to make his glory known because that's what it's all about anyway. The second thing we want to look at here is that the coming horsemen, all this is coming, it hasn't happened yet, we're not in these days, they are to come, but the coming horsemen serve as a reminder of God's justice. Is there wickedness in the world? Absolutely. Is there brokenness beyond comprehension in the human system? you better believe it. Are our governments flawed and ultimately failures? Absolutely. And I don't care who you voted for. It would still be a flawed failure. Why? Because all of these things result re, re, um, all of these things uh, hang, and all of these things are dependent on flawed creatures period the criminal justice system the social justice system the welfare system the healthcare system every system in our pl- in place is flawed and failed even the networking system that we're bringing this to you is flawed and failed you know why cuz i can unplug one cord and well i can't cuz i'm up here but somebody can unplug one cord up there and the whole thing goes away but here's what's not There is a holy and mighty and just God who is holding everything in balance. He will not be mocked. It says here in this passage of scripture that the lamb is breaking the seals. And this is important because God is the one who issued the scroll that was sealed. So all of this is in the hand of God who will bring justice. And and, and I know it's hard to say, just wait and God will sort it out. Just wait. That's not what we're asking for. We as believers have to be instruments of God's justice now. So where we see injustice, Justice, we call it out to see that it could be fixed, to see that God's hand would be, would be uh, uh, asked to move, to see that God's hand is active in our lives. That's who we're called to be. But you and I are human, so we're not going to approach it perfectly, but God will. God is going to. His glory will not be undermined. And I know you're asking the question, I'm assuming you're asking the question. That's probably the better way I should put it. I'm assuming you're asking the question. Well, Evan, if all of this is true and God's given us his word, once the Christians disappear and these things start happening, won't people just think, wait a second, man, that, that Jesus-loving neighbor of mine that was always asking me to go to church, he would talk about this. Let me go see what his Bible says so I can figure it out. This is why we've got to keep Matthew 24 in mind. Matthew 24 brings a compassion to your heart and to my heart for the people that are in this day. It says in verse 10, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness, listen to this verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. We're talking about a day when there's no peace. See, it's hard enough in a day when the Prince of Peace is still active in our lives, still active in our world. It's hard enough for us to not operate on the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? And we were building these little cup towers in our our playroom a couple of days ago just because... You know, you've got three kids, you've got to find stuff to do, and the science lesson that, that our kids were doing was on building towers and stuff. So we got plastic cups like what we have in the fellowship hall that we when we have dinners that we use, you know, the little plastic sixteen-ounce cup. And they were building towers or whatever. And I'm not gonna name the children because I don't want to incriminate the guilty, but um one of them was just messing around and threw a ball and it hit a siblings tower, knocking it over. It was not intentional I don't think but it happened said sibling whose tower was knocked over immediately ran over to kick the remaining tower why they knocked my tower down that's the world we already live in you take the presence of Christ you take the power of the Holy Spirit out of this world And you think people are all of a sudden going to say, oh man, there's war and famine. Maybe I should just turn to Jesus. No, it's going to make the hard hearts grow harder and grow colder. And it's going to cause them to turn even further. It's only through the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel today that we have hope. And because of God's just nature, because he is holy, there's a coming day when it's all going to be held into balance. So you and I have to get out there. Get the message, text the message, call the message, type the message, email the message. Whatever you can do, socially distance yourself from others, but still get the message forward. Because ultimately what we find is that God alone can deliver peace, security, and happiness. Only God You know why you have peace and security today? It's because God is living and active. He is present in the world where you and I live. But what happens is this escalation, the Antichrist goes forward to conquer and then we have peace removed and that men would slay one another and then famine comes through so that only uh, a day's wage, only by a handful of grain to make a loaf of bread and after that comes death because of the great famine. There's no security, there's no peace. Why? Because God is unleashing judgments. But this same sovereign God is the God who offers peace, offers security, offers happiness. You've read the headlines. Just in the last two days, the death toll in America doubled due to this coronavirus. You've seen that it doesn't. Matter how old you are, whatever the lie was that was going around that uh, people under the age of fifty couldn't get this thing, or if they did, it would just be you know a little sniffle here or there. Um, we have people under fifty that are included in those numbers. Um, it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. For some reason, the lie of 1793 that African Americans couldn't get this sickness, just like they were told they couldn't get yellow fever in Philadelphia 200 years ago, started perpetuating. And so what we find is that there's no respecter of persons when it comes to disease. You've seen the shelves. You took for granted that you could go to Walmart and get what you needed, right? You took for granted that you could get your week's supply of groceries in one trip and not have to know, okay, I can only get two packs of chicken today, so I got to come back tomorrow to get the rest of the chicken to make for the dinner the rest of the week. You you took that for granted. And then you got to get there at the time the store opens to make sure you're one of the first ones. See, the world is different. There's no security, but where are you going to find peace? It's only in the hand of God. Because as soon as God's hand is removed, what happens? The one who tries to conquer comes. War comes. There's no peace. Peace is removed. Yeah, you might be happy because you were the first one at the store this week and you got all your groceries for the week in one trip. You don't have to make another trip tomorrow. But what's going to happen when you eat those groceries? Happiness is going to be sucked away. You want joy. It comes from only God. Which brings me to my reminder for you all. The reminder is in verse one. I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals. The scroll is in the hand of our redeemer. I need you to be reminded of that. Because there was only one that was worthy to approach the throne of God to take the scroll to begin with. There was only one who was exalted in in the throne room of heaven as being worthy. And it said it's because you were slaughtered and you purchased by your blood a people, a kingdom and priest to our God. It said you, Christ Jesus, are worthy. You, the Messiah. You, the Savior. You, the one who willingly laid down your life for your friends, for your people to honor your Father God. He's the one holding the scroll. And here's why you need to be reminded of that. Because if he's holding the scroll, you have hope if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. You have hope. Because the one who died for you is the one that is holding you through all of this, no matter what unfolds. You have peace if you're a Christian because the one who is the prince of peace is sovereign over all and is holding all of this together. But you need to be reminded of this because if you were not a Christian, this is terror. This is terror. And you need a redeemer. You need one who would be willing to take away your sin. You need one who would be willing to step between you and God and say, this is ours, he is ours, she is ours, this is who I purchased. So where you're sitting today in your living room on your back porch, maybe you've got your children around you, let me encourage you right now to ask yourself the question, am I in peace or am I in terror with Christ holding the scroll? Because he's the only one that can give you peace and hope. He's the only one that was worthy to open the scroll to begin with. But he loves you enough that he offered himself on a cross for your sin.